1: Hello and welcome to Crashing the Association. I'm Evan Skeletor and as always, I'm joined by Jordan Foote and today joined by a special guest, the rooster next door to Jordan's house. Jordan, how are you and the rooster doing?
2: <laughs> uh, now I heard their dog barking in the background. Like, I hope my neighbors don't listen to this podcast. Like, obviously, I hope they they do, but like not this one specifically. Um, because I'm gonna I'm gonna roast them a little bit. They they have a rooster next door, they have a dog that barks uh constantly. It's uh they're good people, I like them. Uh they have like kids my age that live there, including uh the mom and dad who are obviously not my age, but it's uh yeah, every 15 or minutes, every 15 minutes or so, um I'll hear a little cockadoodle-doo, I'll hear some yelling, <laughs> some like I I almost want to introduce my cat to it and like scare it into shutting up, but it just sits Mm. out there in the cage all day and hangs out. So that's how I'm doing, man.
1: And the funny part about this is that you live in a city. I, I live in rural Ohio where you would expect my neighbors to have a rooster, right? But yeah. when you tell me you live in the city and you have a rooster next door, like to me, that just doesn't add up. And I I just love it. I love how random that is. I,
2: it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, more power <laughs> to them. You know, if they, yeah. if they think that's cool. I, I don't know what they're getting out of it. I guess eggs perhaps or whatever, but I don't know. I don't
1: even do roosters. lay eggs. I, or, I guess I'd be a rooster male like, chicken. I, like, I, I don't I, know. How I have
2: works. no clue, dude. I should ask them why they did it. I should just go over and be like, Hey, like what, what's the, Thought process here.
1: So we're going to pause the podcast and Jordan's (laughs) going to go next door. And no, I'll just Um, be part
2: of the pod. I'll say, what's your evaluation process? (laughs) What was your scouting (laughs) process with this rooster over here? Do you have any question marks with the rooster? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of positives, but clearly a question mark is, will it ever shut up? (laughs)
1: Lacks athleticism and mouths off. All right. (laughs) Well, listen, we've got three of our own prospects to talk about today. We're going to talk Ty Ty Washington, Jeremy Sohan, and Ryan Rollins. But before we get to that, we've got NBA Finals action. And while we planned or hoped for a midweek podcast to preview the finals, didn't quite work out, but we made sure to post our predictions at least. And Jordan had Warriors in six. And I struggled with my pick, Jordan. Uh, because the logic didn't match what my intuition was saying. But I picked Celtics in five. Now, we did tweet that before game one, or I guess like right at the beginning of game one. So it's not like I'm picking this after the Celtics win game one. But why don't you start with with your Warriors and six pick? Obviously, we just saw one game, so we'll kind of mix that into our analysis a little bit. But, But what are your thoughts here early on?
2: I don't feel very good, man, after albeit one game. But still, um, Boston showed up big time. Dude, they really did. I mean, it was the third quarter Warriors. If it was just through three, I'd feel fine. I'd say, yeah, you know, the Warriors ended up coming out on top, or even if they lost a close game, I'd still feel okay about it. Um, Just the way they lost in that fourth quarter with Boston figuring out everything offensively, Jason Tatum is not going to shoot as poorly as he did in game one. Um, on the flip side, though, Derek White isn't going to shoot that well. I don't think Al Horford probably won't have another game like that. But they were getting good looks. It's not like they were making crazy contested pull-up from half-court threes. They the defense from Golden State, specifically Draymond Green, was very bad in that later stage of the game. Um, Draymond will improve. I think Clay will improve. I think Pool will improve. So I'm not like thinking. Golden State's going to get swept or anything, but it seems like they have a lot more to fix. Boston just needs to avoid regressing to the mean, um, but they're going to get some of that back with Tatum. So I think Boston is more sustainable in terms of their overall play. Golden State, I they need to fix some things defensively. I'm not too worried about their offense, um, but I'm glad I said six instead of five, because if I would have said five, there's no way and you know where. Um, that the Dubs are going to win four in a row. So with a few of those games being in Boston, um, I'm starting to think it goes seven. But, you know, who knows? Maybe game two will look a little bit different.
1: Yeah, it, definitely an interesting game. And and I laugh because, um, you know, I spent a few years. I'm, I'm an Ohio guy, Cavs enthusiast, uh, if you can't tell by previous podcasts. And I, I watched every minute, every second of every Cavs Warriors finals game. And basically what Boston did was what the warriors typically do. And just all of a sudden they go off on these incredible runs, frustrating hitting shots that you think they have no business hitting Derek white, hitting with people in his face, rattling it in through the rim. Uh, Al Horford stepping up big time, which like we shouldn't necessarily be surprised that Horford was knocking down threes relatively consistently, but or consistent, excuse me. But, um, I think the word is consistently Jordan. Um, struggling with English, same right thing. Now, but, but you get the picture. Um, yeah, it was just a, a fantastic run and, and I don't think we can expect the Celtics to have another fourth quarter or any quarter like that for the rest of the series. But fourth quarter aside, you think about Steph's big first quarter and yes, Steph is fantastic. Um, it, you know, I say Cavs enthusiast. That doesn't mean I'm a Warriors hater anymore. I certainly like the Warriors. I like that. I like that whole that whole roster, really. But Steph was getting quote unquote layups. I think you texted me that, right? Yeah. Um, a layup for Steph is a wide open three pointer. And in the first quarter, Boston just they didn't look prepared. They didn't look like uh, they had studied. They they weren't sure on their coverages. They weren't sure who was supposed to step up. You know, there was the one where it was a transition three where Horford was in front of Steph but slid all the way down to the block. Tatum jabbed towards Steph but then busted off to, to guard clay and then there's Steph wide open for for a three pointer. Like that kind of stuff is gonna get worked out, right? Um Udoka's a, a fantastic coach. Brad Stevens is in the uh the front office. Like they they're gonna get that stuff worked out. Um you mentioned Tatum like he he's not gonna play that poorly. I hope he doesn't play that poorly again. I don't expect him to. Uh, but we say that he still had, what, 13 assists, like a career-high oh, yeah. assist. Um, so, yes, like he wasn't efficient scoring, but he still was an effective offensive player for that squad, yeah. uh, which is great to see. Uh, I like Jason Tatum a lot. I think the NBA is is looking for multiple future stars. Uh, John Morant is, is clearly one of them. Um, and there are a few other ones you can name, but I'd really like to see Jason Tatum as he turns, you know, 26, 27, 28 years old. You mean 19? Um, what's that?
2: Do you mean 19 again for like the, the fifth year in a row?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But as as he gets near that prime, I'd love to see him be one of those, those stars, and I think he could be. But um anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that this series – you think about all the adjustments that need to be made, right? Figuring out your, your pick and roll coverages on defense for the Celtics, um, for the Warriors, you know, maybe, maybe getting Jordan Poole. I mean, they tried to get him involved, but he just didn't play well. I don't expect him to play poorly moving forward either. Like, all things considered, this is still a super even series. Um, my, my, ga- my, my Celtics and five pick, at every position, I guess, the Celtics – They've got the size advantage. They've got the athletic advantage. I know they're younger. But the only thing that I could see the Warriors had a clear advantage in was just the um, the experience of being in the finals in the past. But you know, you got young legs. You've got height, athleticism on defense. You've got size well, size on defense as well. Um, a lot of switchable guys that can once you figure out those coverages guard you know curry off the pick and roll they can uh they can stay with clay off the ball there's just a lot of things that they can neutralize uh with what the warriors are trying to do offensively so uh ultimately for me yeah it just came down to like i don't see a route in which the warriors should win and again maybe that burns me maybe that bites me in the butt we've seen the warriors go on massive runs um and just be completely dominant but again across the board it just felt like the celtics had had too many advantages
2: yeah no that's fair dude um i think the only real pushback i have because like really we're we just i don't disagree about the matchups but i do think golden state's offense is gonna keep going at a, a higher clip than boston's and i think their defense is good enough to slow down boston at least a little bit um that's a very basic way of looking at it but You did mention a good point with Tatum. I think what separates, and I'm not trying to roast these two players, but it was just the first two that popped into my head, Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. They're obviously different positions. They're more guards. Tatum's more of a forward, whatever. Um, When their shots aren't falling – Mitchell is a a respectable playmaker, but not good enough. He also is a volume scorer, so when his shot isn't going, he also sucks on defense, so he's not going to impact the game if he's not getting buckets. Um, Booker has gotten better on defense, but playmaking-wise, he's still just the guy. When his shot isn't falling, he doesn't really impact the game either, and I think that's what separates them from guys like Luka, guys like Ja, and apparently now guys like Tatum. Um, When his shot isn't falling, as it did in game one, he went, what, 3 of 17 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, He still played defense at a high level. He still passed at a high level. His reads are advanced. Now he can handle double teams. That's something Booker and Mitchell both struggle with. Obviously, being taller helps. Um, You see that with Luca as well. But you also see it with a job. Like guys who aren't always going to get the 35 points, the 40 points, even the 25 or 30 Tatum still played a respectable game. I know in 10 years when people look back on it, they're going to say, oh, well, he had 13 assists, but he also made three shots, so blah, blah, blah. If you watch the game, he didn't play that bad. Like, yes, the shot wasn't falling. Yes, he was still kind of forcing it a little bit, um, but he could have taken 25 shots, and if he would have taken eight more and made two, um, that would have been a detriment to Boston still. So for him to be able to impact the game, at a pretty high level, despite not really being able to score the basketball. Um, I think that is what separates a star level player from a superstar level player. Um, And I think he's going to be there if he isn't already.
1: I'm with you. I just, I'm excited to see, you know, again, as things progress, you have the chess match. Everyone talks about that in the playoffs, especially, and it's fun to watch. Um, But, you know, again, I'll go back to it. Once Boston figures out their, their coverages and once um, you know, once the Warriors try to, I don't know, I don't even know what kind of adjustments they make, like maybe playing up on Horford more. <laughs> um, uh, they, they gave up a lot of open looks, which I think were probably a part of the plan. But you got to think that the Celtics, we already mentioned it too, the Celtics in the fourth quarter made just tough shots. It's not like they had these wide open easy looks like they there were Derek White was hitting with guys in his face um you know they they were working hard to get Horford open on the perimeter like there it wasn't just you know the Warriors weren't playing defense so I don't think the Celtics will continue to hit that at that clip those tough shots but um We all, I think, we all expected a really good series, and I think that's exactly what we're going to get. Even if my pick is right, and it's Celtics in five, I think it's going to be five really exciting, fun games to watch.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think Golden State has to make more adjustments than Boston does after one game. Um, I think Boston simply not dropping on Steph Curry (laughs) is probably (laughs) the way to go. Um, Golden State has to make a lot of adjustments. And like you said, they're really... Are adjustments to guys making tough looks? I mean, you can make some of the, the open ones tough. That works. Um, but a lot of it's just hoping Boston doesn't catch fire from deep in the fourth quarter. I mean, they just dug their own grave. Golden State did by watching the ball fall into the hoop. And sometimes that's as simple as it is. Um, I, I think one team isn't overwhelmingly more talented than the other, one team isn't overwhelmingly more better coached than the other. Um, I think it's going to be a good series still. Um, but Golden State, definitely the, the pressure is on them, especially in game two. Like, if they lose game two, I don't want to say the series is over, but the series is over. Um, they need to get a win and get a, a fairly convincing win. I mean, obviously, if they get one and it's by five points, it's still created the same. Um, but they need to get back on track.
1: Absolutely. So game... Two takes place tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Eastern, and tomorrow night is Sunday. We're recording Saturday morning, so looking forward to that one. Looking forward to talking to you next week about probably at least two, maybe three games. Let's see, so it'll be Sunday, Wednesday, and then probably Saturday. So next week, we'll probably talk to you about two games, but we'll also talk to you about prospects, which we're going to do Today, as well, you mentioned it at the top, we're going to talk Ty Ty Washington, Jeremy Sohan, and Ryan Rollins. And Jordan, why don't we start with my Kentucky guy, Ty Ty Washington. 19-year-old freshman, 6'2", 196, 12 points a game, 33% from three, 4.1 assists, 1.3 steals. Um, Jordan, why don't don't you kick it off with Ty Ty, a, a guy that's just like most Kentucky guards we've seen in the last few years, kind of tough to evaluate.
2: Yeah, man. The, the consensus with Ty Ty went from a lottery pick earlier in the year to an end of the first round pick by the end of the year. Um, and, and I'm not really sure. I, I think I'm kind of splitting the difference with him personally, just, just to get that off my chest. Um, I think his offensive versatility scoring-wise – it's underrated. He's a three level scorer, Um, with or without the ball. um, He can get looks from deep. His floater game is good. He has a really quick trigger on the pick and roll. His mid range game is legitimate. I think he's a quality finisher. He's a confident shooter. Um, He can, he can cut to the rim. He can run dribble handoffs. Like I think people look at him and, and they see more of a, passing type guard despite him averaging the the four assists to 12 points or whatever i think he can score pretty well and then obviously the point guard chops themselves i buy them like i know people are comparing a very loose comparison i should say they say like shades of chris paul and that he can get to his spots in the mid-range and he's a really good passing guard now that is kind of ridiculous (laughs) i think to say anything like that i've seen quite a bit of it though um, I do buy the passing chops. I think his pacing is really good. He doesn't get sped up. Um, he has good anticipation. He can make pretty much every pass. I think his handle is pretty decent. It creates separation. He's deceptive. Um, he's a, a saucy defender, I think, um, or a savvy defender. I couldn't tell if I wrote saucy or savvy in my notes. I'm going to go savvy. Probably oh, oh, savvy. Babe. Yeah, I was gonna say saucy would be, I guess, like getting steals with flair and chase down blocks and stuff. <laughs> um, but I have three three pluses for him. It's offensive scoring versatility, the point guard chops, um, and I think his energy on defense is good. I think he helps on drives. I think he's proactive. Um, so a lot of the draw with Tai Tai, I think, is mental. That's kind of hard to value. I mean, for a guy that doesn't have crazy size, also, you know, isn't the best athlete, but I think he has a really, 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 really high floor in the NBA. That counts for something. Um, and it's because he's usually one step ahead of the competition.
1: It's an interesting evaluation. Uh, I think that, so first of all, like I said, Kentucky players, especially guards are often tough to evaluate because of that system. Um, tai Ty, Ty didn't run a ton of pick and rolls uh, as a ball handler or as a screener, just in general. Um he played with Severe Wheeler, who's a, a fantastic passer in his own right, and was really kind of the true point guard in that unit. And so Tai Tai wasn't really called upon. I mean, he's still a 4.1 assist is solid, but um, he wasn't the prime. I guess he split primary playmaking duties with with Wheeler, which, again, that, that's fine. It's just we didn't see the um, the volume of pick-and-roll that we would have liked. And so yeah. you think of guys like Emmanuel quickly, Tyrese maxi, like two Kentucky guards, that, again, were tough to evaluate. They kind of slid a little bit, uh, but they're still both being very effective in their own right. Uh, maxi looks like he could be a, a superstar and um, IQ, you know, it's, 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 the Knicks are kind of a, a mess, but uh, could end up being a pretty good player as well. Ty Ty, you know, could he play off the ball? Like, you're absolutely right about the 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 way he navigates a defense, kind of change of pace. Um, you know, he people mention Chris Paul, I think, not not to call Ty Ty a point god necessarily, but just the way he knows that he, he has a defender on his back and he can slow things down and make sure that defender can't get back into position. If he, if he sees a gap, um, you know, he'll get through it. He, he's just great at man, manipulating defenses, and he does make some nice passes. So, um, you, you know... The only concern, I guess, is that we don't know if he can run the point guard for an extended period of time because we never saw it, but he certainly seems like he can, right? So uh, I like him. I like him as a point guard, but I don't like him as much off the ball. Um, I I didn't see, I didn't feel watching him this year that he could be a reliable three point shooter, whether it's off the screen. whether it's a set set shot, whatever, I just didn't. I mean, thirty three percent from outside, not great, uh, not a terribly efficient um, or consistent three point shooter. So, again, do you want him playing in in a shooting guard or, or the two man role, especially at six two? I just don't know. Um, he, you're right. He's a, a good defender. He's got some length. Uh, he he's tough. He works hard. He seems like he's aware. Uh, you know, he understands rotations, understands closeouts and breaking down whatever. Like he he is a good defender. Um, so I know I just mixed my pluses with my my question marks, but um, I'll will get to actual question marks here first. Uh, I worry about the explosiveness, right? I worry about his athleticism. He's he doesn't have a quick first step. He doesn't um doesn't necessarily like turn on the jets. I said we said that he can navigate or manipulate the defense in, in pick and roll situations, but it's not with elite athleticism. So will that hurt him like I, I don't know I I, I it, it doesn't hurt some point guards and it does hurt others and it just again it's a question mark we'll, we'll have to see I think that's probably the main reason people have him kind of lower half or middle lower half of the of the first round is because like that athleticism isn't there and there are some really dynamic athletes above him on most big boards um again the three-point shooting not uh not a fan i'm not i'm not I'm not very high on his three-point shot he's a little rigid um And and those are the main ones, man. And those are big ones when you're talking about a guy who would be an undersized two or a primary playmaker in which, again, might lack athleticism. He's not a great scorer at the rim necessarily either. So I I think he'll be – like my my ceiling for him is just a a solid – Like maybe, maybe he's a point guard on a team that has a lot of really good players around him, but he'll never be a centerpiece of any offense.
2: Yeah. No, you hit on a lot of stuff that I was going to bring up in question marks that I felt like I was running on with positives. Um, I had three question marks too, just like I had positives, I guess three and a half technically Um, the first one, the three point shot. Like I mentioned that I, I do trust him to be a, respectable catch-and-shoot threat, and I think his relocation is okay. Um, but his self-creation is kind of inefficient, and it's not sufficient right now. I don't know if he's going to be a great catch-and-shoot guy. He's not a high-volume shooter. He has the length to be difficult to contest in the NBA, but you mentioned the shot. I, I don't love it. Um, so while I do think he'll be respectable from deep, I don't know if he'll be good, um, and it's worth questioning. Secondly, the volume. Like you said, I said, I buy the point guard chops, and I do think that that ceiling is there and that he's going to come close to hitting it. Um, But he just didn't have a huge sample size. And like my notes are all kind of abbreviated because the pacing, the anticipation, the making every pass, the handle, he didn't get to show it off a ton. Um, So while it was noticed and it was noted, he doesn't have the sample size of being, you know, a lead point guard for a team for an entire season where he's going to dominate the ball. So that's something to keep into account. Um, If you're, you know, handing over the keys to your offense to him, it's a risk because he hasn't had that fully. Um, And then the athleticism, is that going to hurt him? He's not a great transition scorer. He prefers to push the ball to his teammates instead. Um, He doesn't have good bursts in the half court. He's kind of shifty. Lateral quickness is just solid. I think that caps his ceiling. And then I noted injuries. I hate doing that um that's just a very very minor question mark can he you know hold up and I think that kind of fits the rest of his game like can the rest of it hold up so you mentioned the high end I've seen people say like pre-blow up Jalen Brunson which kind of I guess I can see that like a point guard with do-it-all ability and poise who's like not a very good athlete but still can either come off the bench and be like a trusted playmaker or play off a superior ball handler I guess I definitely could see something like that not current (laughs) Jalen Brunson who's you know dropping 25 a game in the playoffs Um, I think his low end is a end of the road not even end of the rotation like a third guard or fourth guard I suppose who's reliable and just comes in gives you 15 minutes a game Um, I think the realistic outcome tertiary ball handler secondary ball handler I don't know who competes can be trusted on both ends despite his athletic limitations. But man, the, the limitations are real. The question marks are real. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to have him at like 25 or anything, but I also don't have him at like 13 or 12. Like I did earlier in the year. Um, I've kind of, I don't want to say soured on tie, um, but I'm a lot more lukewarm on him than I was earlier in the process for sure. Fair
1: enough. So let's move on to prospect number two, Baylor's Jeremy Sohan. He scored 9.2 points on, oh, he played 25 minutes a game. So 9.2 points, 47% from the field on seven attempts, uh, 29% from three on 2.7 attempts, 58% from the free throw line. We'll round that up to 59% um, on three attempts a game. Pulled in 6.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists to 1.5 turnovers, 1.2 steals, 0.7 blocks. Sohan is... Uh, I don't know. Like Okay, so... I'll start by saying he is maybe the best defender in the draft. Uh, tr- tremendous defender. He's got length. He's a, a hard worker. He can play on-ball defense. He can play off-ball defense. He's, um, I mean, he's, he's just tremendous, right? He's he's a pest. He can switch, play. He can guard multiple positions. He can guard inside. He can guard perimeter players. Um, really, like, there's nothing – In my opinion, nothing bad I can say about him defensively.
2: What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for making Crashing the Association a part of your day. Shout out to you and shout out to the sponsor of today's show, BetUS. BetUS has been helping sports fans win for nearly three decades and is America's favorite sports book. Use our link in the podcast description for a 125% sign-on bonus Let's take a quick break to hear from another sponsor or two, then we'll be right back.
0: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
1: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
0: Sure. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: I I agree with you. Um, I don't know why I paused. I don't really have any, any major disagreements there. Um, he has nimble feet, sturdy base. He's hard to get by. Quality shot blocker. He he isn't afraid to get up close and personal with people. His hands are accurate. He has a quick processor. Um, the length helps on steals. Like he's a really really good defender. And I we were talking. Usually we don't, you know, give our our frank opinions about prospects before we come on and record. Um, but we chatted about him and we're both like, man, there are places and things we really do buy into and like about him. Um, And that give him a clear like role in the NBA. Then there's stuff that we're like, man, and you brought this up and I'll I'll kick it back to you. Offensively, there were some things he did or flashed in college that I was like, man, you know, this could be something in the NBA. But then you kind of were like, man, I I don't think he's going to get that chance to. And it's justified. So it's not even worth really factoring into his profile.
1: Yeah, so people will talk about his playmaking ability, his passing ability, and they're absolutely right. Like he he is a good passer. He, um, you know, for, especially for being six foot nine. Like it's nice to see a guy like him being able to distribute. Um, but my problem is, like he can't shoot. Like he's not a he's not going to extend the floor, right? He twenty nine percent from three. Not good. You always look okay. Well, can that improve? I, I doubt it. 58% from the free throw line doesn't really bode well for, for good solid touch. Um, no, I hope so. Again, I, I want to make sure if you're new to the podcast, Jordan and I are, we always try to be super respectful to all these guys because of the work that it, it takes to, to get to this level, to be considered for a draft or as a draft pick. And, um, they're far better at basketball than I ever will be. So, so I never mean to be disrespectful to a player. um, but these are just, like, honest observations. And, and with Sohan, I, I don't see him becoming a shooter, which means, like, that brings up the question, where is he going to play? Yeah. What position will he play? Do you want him to play the four but not be able to stretch the floor? You know, next being a four next to a, a five that can stretch the floor, maybe not as big of a deal. Uh, you don't want him to play small forward, right? You don't want him to be a, a perimeter player or a wing because again he can't stretch the floor he also doesn't really have much of a post up game so it's not like i guess offensively i just don't see him fitting in and so we can't call him like a 3 and D guy we can't even call him a two-way player so yeah okay sure if you're a team that needs you're in you're in a tough spot and you need a, a lockdown defender down the stretch of a game perhaps you put him in but i think he's re- really going to, unfortunately, halt offenses and, and really make it tough for an NBA offense to to flow and operate appropriately when he's not able to stretch the floor, he's not a threat from the perimeter, he's not really a threat getting inside. Yeah, he can cut. He's a good cutter, a decent finisher around the rim when he's moving toward the basket. But is that enough to see him get real important NBA minutes? I just he just has a lot that needs to improve offensively.
2: Yeah, and we we talked about Scotty Barnes and how that's like a really common comp for him, which I don't really care for that too much because Scotty Barnes like was a he's a better defender than than Sohan. Although Sohan's really really good. Um Scotty really where he separates though although his three-point shot isn't much better. The threat, I think, was better with him. The on ball threat, at least like Scotty, when he has the ball, you trust him to make the right play and make something happen or be special way more than you trust Jeremy Sohan to be special. Like, I don't get the comp because Sohan's a decent ball handler, decent passer. Like, he's quality at those things, but he doesn't jump out at any of that. And when you're not giving a team reliable three point shooting or a reliable post up game, or just a really, really, really good go-to skill set offensively, you probably aren't going to get the chance to show off the rest of your well-rounded, you know, passing game or screen game or stuff like that. He is going to be the last. If he's a starting caliber player in the NBA, he's the last option on offense or he's coming off the bench as not even your go-to sixth man because he can't score like very effectively, he shot what 47% in college. Like that's great. But in the NBA, that's my first question mark. What's his offensive ceiling? Cause I think it's low. He lacks consistency. The toolbox isn't great. I think the jump shot might need to be rebuilt. Um, and then I think, how does he handle NBA athletes? Uh, I'm not saying he won't be able to, um, but is he a tweener on both ends? Like, he's not extremely fast. The bully ball and the physicality worked in college. 230 pounds, he should be able to handle his own defensively in the NBA against, like, bigger guys. Um, I just worry a little bit about it. So, for me, man, I don't know what his high-end outcome is. Like, a glue guy in the starting lineup with defensive tools and not even secondary offense. Like, just complementary offense, I guess. The The low end is a reserve defender who just comes in and plays hard-nosed defense and is an annoying guy, but then you get into the whole, does he get played off the court in the playoffs type thing if he's not extending the floor, like you mentioned. Um, so with Sohan, I, I don't, I don't want to say I dislike him as a prospect. Um, kind of like Ty Ty, just to a, a lesser extent of being lukewarm. I'm kind of cool on him. I, I think when like yeah. I see the draw, and I see why people like him, and the defense is undeniably good. Um, But if you're you're close to a liability on offense or just a flat-out liability, then in the modern NBA, it's going to be hard for you to get consistent minutes.
1: So, great points. The strange comp for Sohan, and I say strange because, well, the, the comp for him... And the role that he would probably play in the NBA is like a Draymond Green. Type yeah, role. I was going
2: to bring that up too.
1: Yeah. And it's really tough to comp. It's like in baseball when you comp someone to like Jamie Moyer or Greg Maddox. Like, <laughs> like they're just – those guys are so different. They're so unique. And Draymond has – I mean, he's a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Yeah. And so it's really hard to, to, comp, um, to comp anyone to Draymond Green. And so, like that's that's kind of when you're picking Sohan, like that's kind of what you're picking or hoping he will turn out to be. And so, again, it's just it feels a little risky. It's a commitment, right? It's it's you know you have to be running a certain type of offense, a certain um, a, a certain system to make him be effective. Yeah. And so that's why I just kind of I, I just I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I. I I hope he works out. I think in the right system, he could work out. I just don't know what that system looks like.
2: Yep. I'm with you on that, man. I He could – I think the NBA might be a little bit higher on him than we are, and I could see him being, like, the, the ninth or tenth pick or whatever. And we mentioned KOC, who we respect a lot. Like, it, for me, it's hard to have my opinions aligned, like, so consistently with somebody. KOC is up near the top. Like, obviously, Evan Skilleter is – very, very high on that board. Um, <laughs> KOC, please. It's like Skillitzer and KOC, and I, I can't even think. Simon Ross Yeah, Simon. Simon yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like him a lot. He has Sohan eighth on his board, and you and I were both like, "Eh, like I don't know about that, dude. That that's kind of high." Um, I have him probably closer to fifteen, like either side of that. I haven't finished up with a big board, finalized it yet. Um, but like I said, we see the draw, we also see the drawbacks and that's kind of where I'm at
1: on that same draft guide. He has Sohan going 10th to, so he has an eighth on the big board and then 10th in the mock going to the wizards. Um, you know, who, who knows again, it has to be the right situation. He is a fantastic defender. I don't, I, I, if you take anything away from this positively, understand. Like I think that Jordan has some question marks there, and that's fine. I personally think he's going to be a tremendous th- defender in the NBA. Uh, and I don't, Jordan, I, I don't think you're saying he won't be. It's just no. you know, there, there are a couple things that need to get worked out. So um, if if your team drafts Sohan, you're drafting an incredible defender. Don't be mad about the pick. Great mm-hmm. defender and someone to, to come along offensively or in his role in the NBA. Not a big yep. deal, right? And, and again, if, if he's getting picked 10 to 15, good for him. I, I hope it works out. I still think he'll be, you know, again, he, he could end up being a really great contributor, but we'll have to see. So that moves us on to our next and final prospect for the day, Ryan Rollins of Toledo. Not a first-round guy in most mock drafts. Um I maybe I'll say okay. I'll save it. I'll save my opinion for later. I really like Brian Rollins though. Uh let me pull up his stats here cuz I didn't have them. So I he's got a him. sophomore. You, him, you got him? Uh, I got it right here. Yeah, okay. yeah. So uh sophomore, uh University of Toledo, 32 minutes a game, he averaged 18.8 points on 46% from the field, 31% from 3, 80% from the free throw line. Um 2 uh 3.6 assists, excuse me. So 3.6 assists to 2.1 turnovers, 1.7 steal, 0.2 blocks. Ryan Rollins is from my neck of the woods, right? I work in Toledo. I've seen him in person on multiple occasions. Um, I really like him, but Jordan, I'll let you start it off.
2: He he also has a 6'10", almost 6'10", wingspan, and that – Yes. Dude, that helps. <laughs> like I, I have two big question or not question marks. Two big positives, and then one like minor positive that I'll talk about in question marks too. Um, his scoring package and ability that that's where it starts. Like he's a very fluid pick and roll operator. Um, he'll snake around. He has a great pull up jumper. His patience is great. He runs the break very quickly, very hard. Transition buckets are a common thing for him. He can and will cut to the basket, which gives me some hope for his off-ball game. We'll talk about that. Um, He hits tough shots in the mid-range. He has the sidesteps. He has the step backs. His handle is respectable. Quality finisher with a plus wingspan, like a clear plus wingspan. So I like that. And then I think something people don't talk about enough with him, and you and I, I believe, are are aligned with this, secondary playmaking ability, man. Like he – He doesn't get tunnel vision all the time. And there are guys that we'll probably talk about next week or the week after that do. And his drive and kick game is legitimate. He uses his rim pressure and mid range to set up his teammates. And guys usually don't do that. I don't want to say that mid range is associated with tunnel vision, but some of those guys that have the bag to be a three level scorer, they will let you know that. And they won't let their teammates know that. Um, He's an accurate passer, he's relatively quick with processing ability. So offensively, there's a ton to like about his game. Um, And like I said, I'll I'll mention defense later on, but he does make some splash plays on defense. Like, he takes some risks, and I think that when it works, it does work for him pretty well. So offensively, the main crux of what the value is with Ryan Rollins, and, man, there is a ton to like.
1: Yep, absolutely. I've been watching – I started watching him last year when he was – kind of the third option on the toledo team they had um oh i'm forgetting their names already but mac player of the year uh as a guard i'm annoyed that i can't remember his name because he was a fantastic player i think he ended up playing at iowa state this year or arizona state or something but anyway they had him and they had uh spencer littleson who who is a, a really really good shooter um, a, a great basketball player in his own right. So Ryan Rollins was a freshman on that team and, and still as a freshman on a team that had two other go-to guys in 30 minutes a game, he's, he averaged 13 points, 43% from the field, 32% from three, two um, two two and a half assists to 2.3 turnovers. So still like a very productive player on, on a really good Toledo team last year. So yes, I think... He's great. I was excited to see him in more of a primary role this year, and he didn't disappoint. You mentioned his fluidity. Um, Just a super smooth operator, whether it's through pick and roll, whether it's in transition. Um, Great pull-up game. Good-looking shot. Um, Passing. He's got great passing ability, and he's got the length and size to be able to be your your two, right, your shooting guard. Uh, I'll call him a combo guard per – uh, Rashad Phillips's position dictionary, right? Uh, a guy that can provide secondary playmaking ability, but can also, you know, if you're talking about rotations in an NBA game throughout the course of a season, like he can probably run your offense for, for stretches, right? Uh, I think he's got a great IQ. And I think he's a sneaky good athlete, man. I, I think I do too. he doesn't have necessarily like an elite first step, but... This is where, so I'm not going to pretend that I go to a ton of basketball games and watch all these prospects in person. Like I try, but I'm still like two hours away from any major basketball team. So I don't get to see these guys in person a lot, but I have gotten to see him. And if you watch him like in warmups, when they're doing their fun dunks through the layup lines and stuff, like he floats in the air. He actually has like a really nice vertical uh, and, and the ability to get off the ground. And, uh, and he's pretty quick, so I like his athleticism and, um, you know, I, I think he's just going to be a really solid, steady player, six, four with a, uh, six ten wingspan. Like he can guard every position on the perimeter. And so he's a switchable defender. Uh, you're going to, I, I think an NBA team is really going to like him. Now I'll move on to the question marks, and I'm going to guess we have a lot of the same ones there's a consistency problem with him from beyond the arc that again, he's a guy that that's a smooth, uh, has a smooth release, a smooth jump shot. He can create his own shot at times, uh, decent, uh, decent shooter off the bounce. But I mean, what we say? 30. What was this? Three point. There we go, 31% 31. from three yeah. this year, last year he shot 32%. So, uh, neither season did he, Did he really show that he's going to be a a high caliber? Excuse me, a high caliber three point shooter. (laughs) That's the first. I didn't know about that. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't even feel that one coming on. So excuse me for the uh, rudeness there, but um, you know, again, he's a smooth player, and so maybe that translates into being a a great three point shooter. But either way, I, I still you can still see glimpses of him being able to hit off the dribble. So you put him in a pick and roll situation. He's still putting pressure on the defense with uh, the three-point, you know, just at least being a threat from deep. And then the mid-range game is, is super nice. So, you know, the, the question mark of three-point consistency is there, but to me it's not necessarily a, a detriment. It just might limit his, his ceiling a little bit. Um, and then defensively, again, I think there's some work to be done, maybe just understanding rotations better. Um, maybe better technique when he's, when he's closing out, not taking so many risks, but again, not necessarily like the, I like the length and I don't think he's necessarily like a, a scary, bad defender either.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I offensively, and this isn't fair and I don't really know how I want to phrase it, but he's almost destined to have a lesser role. In the NBA, at least to start off, and that's not necessarily his fault, but I do worry a little bit about how he's going to adjust to it. Like yeah. off ball, he's going to have to do the little things, and that applies to defense too. He's not going to have a star roller, a go to roll. The three ball is inconsistent. I think the shot looks good. It's like I I buy his shooting potential. Unlike a prospect we've talked about <laughs> already in this podcast, um, yeah. ironically, he shoots worse than Ty Ty Washington and better than Sohan, but I buy his shooting potential more than both of them probably put together. Um, I think I haven't wrote down that it's going to make or break his ceiling. I I think he's going to be a decent shooter in the NBA defensively. The length helps against guards. We mentioned, we both think he's a little underrated as an athlete, so I don't think it's going to be a problem agility wise. The frame isn't great strength wise, I think he could put on a little bit more weight and still maintain good athleticism. That's gonna help. Um, the effort and awareness are just inconsistent, not gonna, you know, rag on him because of that. He's a college athlete. The gambles don't always pay off. Like he's gonna have to be more calculated on both ends in the NBA. So that kind of is the only drawback with him, I think, is like he's just gonna have to hone in a little bit and be more focused and better overall. The details he has the big stuff down offensively, which is a lot more than <laughs> plenty of other guys can say. Um, so his high end outcome for me, dynamic combo guard with scoring chops and probably a neutral on defense. The low end is like a spark plug guy at the end of your rotation, or maybe even the front of it off the bench. I think the realistic outcome, tough shot maker, um, off ball threat for instant offense, or a guy that. I hate labeling guys or pigeonholing them because sometimes it can be viewed as like disrespect to say like a sixth man. But I could see Brian Rollins being someone like that, like a the default to say is Jordan Clarkson. But right, I, I don't right, want right. to pigeonhole him into that. But someone like that who can come in, give you good offense, like the people who think he's like 50th on the board, not going to contribute. I think he will. I think he's a late first round pick. There's nothing wrong with that, all things considered. Um. So I buy Brian Rollins stock. I, I would hoard as much of it as I can.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm pretty high on him, but I want to make it clear. Like, I, I'm not high on him because I think he's going to be an NBA superstar yeah. um, or an all NBA or at any point. But I, I really think that he will be a solid contributor, a guy that you want on your team. Um, if it's just on your bench, that's fine but there are a lot of guys that have made a really good living being uh, just solid, reliable pieces on your roster. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And I think he settles into that, you know, again, ceiling limited by three point shooting. Um, And just athleticism in terms of when I say athleticism, like I know I was, I was talking about how I think he's athletic, but in terms of using that athleticism to be like a dynamic, ISO scorer, someone that's a go-to guy that's gonna just blow up defenses completely. Like he's not gonna be that, <clears throat> but he'll still be athletic enough to hang in the NBA. So again, not a. We're not talking about like a Dame Lillard or a CJ McCollum or a, um, you know, you you name it. Maybe not even a Jalen Brunson type, um, a Jalen Brunson now type, but yeah, yeah. um, but still a guy that you know, he, he's going to be solid. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Cause I really do feel like maybe playing at Toledo didn't get as many, um, as, as much attention as he probably deserved, but yep. he's still going to be in the NBA. He's still going to get a shot to, to prove that he deserves to be there.
2: Big agree, man. What a fully loaded podcast, man. We got to be up above 50 minutes by now. I'm pretty close to it.
1: Probably man. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, once we get knew, rolling on these guys, <laughs> I know. I was gonna say I knew once we we started throwing in extra pro, uh, prospects that we'd start to have these longer podcasts, but that's okay with me, man. I, I obviously love talking about the draft. I'm starting to dig into some um, some video stuff, so make sure you're following us at Crashing Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. Following Jordan at Jordan or at Footnoted, excuse me, and I'm at R. Skillets here, trying to post a couple videos a week and. I know Jordan's digging in and working on his own own mock draft. How's our big board? How's that coming, Jordan?
2: It's almost done, dude. It's dropping Thursday. So by Wednesday, by Tuesday night, I want to have all my evals done. um, Then leave Wednesday for the inevitable technical glitches and all that stuff and rearranging (laughs) of the board last minute and then Thursday morning so I can rearrange it again, then probably drop it sometime early on Thursday.
1: Awesome. So be on the lookout for that you can find us at www.crashinghoops.com thank you all so much for tuning in jordan are you going you you're you're able to stay up a little later than i am but um, are you going to need some caffeine at, after these or during these 9 p.m. eastern time starts 8 p.m. for uh, you which again i'm jealous
2: they're brutal dude like i tough. luckily the football season with the jeeps kind of keeps me conditioned for like monday night football sunday night football thursday night football but dude the g fuel is going to be pounded pretty hard this <laughs> this uh nba finals man
1: yeah I, I, it took me two sugar-free baja blasts from Ooh. taco bell uh to stay up for the entire game on thursday night eight o'clock tomorrow night which is uh much better, but still tough. And then probably nine o'clock the rest of the time. So, uh, this podcast sponsored by Red Bull <laughs> <It> <laughs> gives you the ability to stay up late, but not just kidding. Anyway, if you want to sponsor the podcast, reach out and let us know, um, plenty of different opportunities there with digital and audio and video content. So let us know. Otherwise, Jordan, anything else? I don't think so, man. I'm ready for the sign-off. Good deal. Until next time, stay right, stay real.
2: God bless. Crashing the Association is an extension of NBA Draft Show Crashing the Boards founded by Evan Skilleter and Jordan Foote. Every week, Evan and Jordan will dive into the latest developments in hoops and analyze the game in a way that's enjoyable for everyone. You can follow Evan on Twitter at EvanRSkeletor and follow Jordan on Twitter at Footnoted. Check out links in the podcast description for merchandise, additional content, and so much more. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, you know what to do.
0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.